everybody, this is Brett. I uh, hope you guys are having a great holiday. We'll have a bunch of new episodes dropping after the holiday, along with a bonus episode that'll come out sometime this week as well. In the meantime, uh, hope you enjoy this chosen selection of largely non-political fun bits. And in the notes below, you'll see any additional guests that are a part of each section. Enjoy, y'all. We'll see you in the new year, and we'll have a bonus for the Patreon later this week. Thanks. So me and Brett were just sort of, this is what we do under quarantine. Uh, he was just, he was just saying like, okay, what about this? We were just went through all of his favorite rom-coms and I just Koreaized them. <laughs> Throw any rom-com out. Okay. The big sick. What's the big, big sick about? So the big sick is, uh, the actual story about how Kamel Ninjani, the comedian met his wife, Emily Gordon. Um, and so they wrote it. It's. He's a comedian, a Pakistani comedian. He meets this girl at a comedy club. They sort of fall in love. Then they break up and she gets sick and he sticks around through it and helps her get well. And so they fall back in love. Is that good? It's a pretty good one. It's fantastic. All right. Well, let me hit you with this. It's the same plot, but you replace Kamel with Jungkook. <laughs> but he's playing himself as Jungkook. He's a famous idol and he has to convince the family that he's not staying by the hospital bed as a publicity thing. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, I would actually watch that. that no, they've got it figured out. It <laughs> does sound good. Yeah, hit, hit, keep going. Uh, all right, how about While You Were Sleeping? What is While You Were Sleeping? Okay, so that's uh, Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. Sandra Bullock, this is set in the 90s. She basically works for the Chicago MTA, whatever the fuck that's called. She's one of the booth attendants. She takes coins every day. And there's this beautiful man she always sees that she's like creating this romance in her head about. And then one day he gets jumped and like falls on the tracks and she goes down and saves him before he gets run over, goes with him to the hospital uh, and is like, hey, is he okay? What's going on? And they're just like, yeah, he's in a coma now. He like took a big knock on the head. And so as they're walking away just to herself, she's like, oh, I was going to marry him. And a nurse overhears. Here's the misunderstanding. Every rom-com needs misunderstanding. Nurse overhears and thinks that like that's his fiance. So then the family shows up and they're like, oh my God, you're the fiance. He never tells us anything. Of course, that makes sense. And so while he's in this coma, she gets like pseudo adopted by this family uh, and falls in love with the brother, Bill Pullman. And then the dude wakes up. Great movie. That actually does sound pretty good. It's, it's really fun. Oh, okay. Good. So she falls in love with Bill Pullman or Peter Gallagher. So she, she thinks she's in love with uh, Peter Gallagher, the brother who's ends in the coma being and Noel Gallagher, but ends up following, falling in love with Bill Pullman because she's actually interacting with him and gets along with him. It's not just some romance. Got it. Okay. I'm here. Uh, I'll be on. I, I think I might lose this one. That, that sounds pretty good. It is. It's quite. Good. Uh, that's like all. See, that's already like complex enough that it works. Although I will say, there is already a Korean while you were sleeping called while you were sleeping. It's a, <laughs> got it. It's got a great OST. Uh, Henry has some great ballads on it. Uh, but in the Korean one, it's totally different. It's uh, it's a journalist discovers that she gets premonitions of murders every time she falls asleep. So then a handsome cop and a handsome defense attorney show up and everyone ends up fucking each other. <laughs> That's they 
it's a love triangle where she's psychic and also they're solving murders. Yeah, this one's I better, think that's better. I think that's too better. different of uh, <laughs> genres, really. That the second one <laughs> I didn't write it. I'm just saying. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I don't really need to see courtroom drama and the cops in my rom com. So may- maybe you get that one. Okay, name another one. Uh, Clueless. Clue. Okay, you know what Clueless is. Four words. Paul Rudd is death. <laughs> this is this is also a real (laughs) he's the grim reaper he was sent to claim alicia silverstone nothing else changes yeah no that does make it better (laughs) so wait does paul rudd have to decide whether he's going to take alicia silverstone to the underworld or live as a human and give up his immortality that's one of the conflicts (laughs) you got like five He's like, I love how this is clueless uh, is mashed with meets Joe Black. <laughs> nothing changes in the movie. He still says all those lines, but he is the Grim Reaper. Does she know or not? Does she try to save him? Is it in self-interest or they really have a connection? That's a better movie. Better yes, movie. I would like to see Paul Rudd, who's ageless anyway, so it makes perfect sense that he is actually, in fact, in real That's life true. as well, um, death walking among us. <laughs> Also, if he touched me, I would die. <laughs> uh, okay, so how about When Harry Met Sally? What's Harry Met Sally about? Uh, that one's actually pretty straightforward. Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, the first third of the movie is them meeting over the years and just not liking each other at all. He keeps hitting on her. She's not interested. He's also just like casually lecherous asshole. He's Billy Crystal. Um and then they meet later on when and they're he's doing jazz, man. <laughs> and she's like, now you're talking. Uh, and then they meet and um, they've both just gone through like horrific breakups. Like he uh, just got divorced. She just uh, ended a like 40 relationship. And so they become friends and then they fall in love. All right. This is another actual Korean series. Sally, depressed nurse at the hospital who used magic to switch souls with Harry's dying grandmother. <laughs> what the fuck? So the so the original <laughs> Sally becomes the the old grandmother and dies and the grandmother becomes Sally. We're after the first third of the movie. So now all of a sudden they haven't got along, but now there is some new connection and it feels like, you know, he's really understood. That's because <laughs> he's pursuing his grandmother now who has forgotten <laughs> in the hospital there was no tenderness no one came to to visit her and she realized how isolated she was and now she's getting the tenderness uh from her family and maybe even a bit of romantic tenderness real korean one only in the korean one uh the grandma's in prison too because why not I'll be honest, I prefer the regular one. I was gonna say when Harry Metzali is so straightforward anything would spice it up but that is too much so wait, hold on, hold on, Rob. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm s- let me just let me just ask some clarifying questions. <laughs> so it's his own grandmother who a depressed nurse switched souls with. So now the de- dying depre- grandmother is in the depressed nurse's body, and I'm assuming she's beautiful, but she is still her yeah. soul. No, no, everything is still the same. It's still Meg Ryan. <laughs> but like now, now the grandma's soul in Meg Ryan's body is hitting on her grandson. Yes, that is, again, also what a, she's she hasn't had human touch or been seen. This is a problem with with the elderly, right? It's like once you no longer have value, you become like a burden. And she's been a burden for years to Harry. And all of a sudden, this isn't what she intended, right? She just, you know, Harry calls her. She doesn't even know that that this relationship's going on, right? She just all of a sudden Harry lights up and she goes, it can't be the real Harry. 
and you know, he's trying his best and you know, they go out to these dates and you wouldn't think it, but they start clicking and the whole movie unfolds just as does it, it unfold or does it unravel? <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't have sex. <laughs> they do spoilers for the Korean one. They do. No, I'm sorry. The original is better. Cause that's just way too much. <laughs> Why is she in prison too? <laughs> Because look, maybe you got bored by the other shit. You want to see some prison fights. That also happens. <laughs> Incredible. It's just it's just maximalism across the board. I'll be honest, the 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 grandma one, it's 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 just as like uh creepy, sexual assaulty as you th- there's no consent anywhere in that entire series. It's a mainstream primetime K drama. <laughs> oh, it's a series. No. Oh god, I thought it was just a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you need to put character development in. Incredible. All right, but how about uh, you've got mail? I, have I seen you've got uh, mail? It's it's isn't that the same thing as uh? It's the exact Channel? same fucking movie, except they have AOL. Uh, you've got mail, Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, so classic duo for rom coms. Um, they've been speaking online and are kind of in love with each other, even though they have real relationships. He ends up meeting her in person right at the beginning of the movie. They obviously don't know, right? There's an instant connection, but it doesn't go anywhere because he uh, runs what is basically Barnes and Noble. You can tell us it's set in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Barnes and Noble, they're going to be the one to dominate the market. Yeah, exactly. Or borders, whatever. Uh, and CDs she, and books. You got me. <laughs> she runs a local bookstore. So they have a whole like company conflict thing. And in the middle of this, they go to meet in person while the conflict's at its highest. Uh, he walks in or about to walk in, sees it's her and bails. Right. And so everything builds from there. And to him being like, fuck, no, I, it can't be her because I hate her in person. And so it becomes a whole thing where he like gets comfortable with it. And then basically like on the sly, knowing that like he's the person talking to her online and in person, uh, leverages that to get her to fall in love with him, his in-person version of himself. It's a little creepy after driving her out of business. It's really Nora Ephron flexing and being like, you'll love this movie. You fucking swine. And it's great. (laughs) I got creepy for you. (laughs) and look the last one was fucking body switching fuck grandma so (laughs) just in so in korea they always love because there has to be something extra and you have to be like a powerful person on top of what you're doing so it's like almost everyone's a ceo of some sort yeah like that that's that's like half the genre so you've got mail okay hear me out tom hanks right or that character he's the dour 16 year old shit poster heir to a logistics company that's trying to privatize his high school. Meg Ryan teaches at the school and falls in love with this random accounts shitposting free spirit. At school, she's giving him detention, but online, they're an odd couple who fall in love. It's extremely sexually problematic, but most rom-coms are. <laughs> and there's, there's a scene in detention, right, where, where he's on the phone messaging her and she's at the front of the room and she's messaging him and they're both smiling and an icon's love scenario plays and they all end up in a private prison owned by the heir happily ever after. What? Why? Because like, oversee <laughs> they're both sexual predators or something like that? It needs to be addressed at some point, but you don't want to ruin the fantasy early. <laughs> also, I looked at the trailer for You've Got Mail. Did you know Dave Chappelle and Steve Zahn are in that movie? Yeah. They're both oh, great Steve Zahn. That's Bring awesome. it back. Dave Chappelle comes back in the Korean version as the kid's chief financial officer. It's very funny in the modern era, by the way, to go back and watch this because it's based on AOL and it's based on the concept of in-person giant bookstores being a thing. And you're just like, this is adorable. Steve Zahn is creepy in that? Yes. Okay. In that case, 
Steve Zahn is the, um, he's the company's, uh, head counsel and he turns to the camera about a third of the way through and goes, well, you know, the age of consent in this country is 16 just for legal coverage. <laughs> That's going to be one of those things you have to look over for this one. <laughs> Brad, are, are, are you buying what I'm selling? <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm missing something where they end up in prison together happily ever after. Like. I think for yeah, that's because uh, the climax is them after discovering each other. They they have to rob a bank owned by his dad so they could run away together. But it doesn't quite work out. But it's sort of like the ending of the producers where they all end up in prison. Better people. Oh. <laughs> but wait, why does he need to rob his dad? He's the heir. I'm not going to give you the whole movie if you're not going to pay me twelve dollars. He's clearly into this though. I, I think the hook has got. Oh him. man! Look, you're thinking about it, aren't you? You've got mail. You're like, huh? Borders. Oh, Steve Zahn. This one, you're trying to keep all the characters straight. Dave Chappelle's popping up. Everything you want I, is in I this movie. I think you're right, and I think I want to say that you've got mail is notable because, like, it is. It takes place in big box bookstores, and it's not even like the biggest failure of a company in that movie at all because it's about AOL. So yeah, I'm going with the. Uh, with the uh, you know age misplacement Korean quasi statutory rape prison fantasy thing, <laughs> not that quasi, but yeah. <laughs> All right, ten things I hate about you, which is just Taming of the Shrew, uh, set in high school. I don't know what Taming the Shrew is. <laughs> okay, so ten things I hate about you is uh, incredibly difficult. Uh, woman character in this is uh, seduced by a man who's being paid to seduce her just to soften her up but actually falls in love with her. It all comes out in the big climax moment, uh, and then he still wins her over at the end. Uh, the sisters are the same person. It's Tyler Durden Fight Club. <laughs> it's multiple personalities. <laughs> the rest of the movie does yeah, not change. Is it like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I think we're done here, right? <laughs> why, why tamper with perfection? <gasps> we're done. Uh, there's Waitress. Uh, waitress is about... Uh, small town waitress who works at a pie shop who creates like the most incredible pies. She's in a really miserable marriage to an abusive husband. Uh, she just found out she's pregnant and her gynecologist uh, is a fill in fill in. It's Nathan Fillon. Um, and they've, basically have this like tawdry romance throughout the movie up until she gives birth. All right. This one's 90% of the way there. I don't mean to critique, but uh, the waitress now she has agoraphobia uh, and she is a small account baking YouTuber who's pursued by a series of more famous food bloggers. <laughs> no, I'm not going to mess with this one. I, the original waitress is so fucking good. There's a reason it's a Broadway show. All right, that, that's, that's fine. That's, <laughs> I think there that's, is a reason I, that's on Broadway. Okay. And popular. Look, my portfolio is only filling up as we go. What else you got? Uh, Juno. Juno, Ellen Page, Michael Sarah, uh, Ellen Page, uh, got pregnant from like their friends uh, they had sex once she gets pregnant from it decides to give the baby up for adoption so there's a whole like interplay between her and the adoptive parents and it's her trying to figure out how to navigate being a senior in high school and the Michael Sarah thing are we friends are we in love throughout the movie it's actually wonderful it's 300 years ago in Korea <laughs> to avoid questions from her uptight family about having a child out of wedlock Juno enlists the help of a professional fiance he is absolutely a serial killer, and she has to choose between helping him cover up the murders or disappointing her traditional family. <laughs> Robs. Robs. Really so real Robs. Robs. Yeah. yeah, Robs is better. That sounds awesome. There's still romance going on. <laughs> it's just there's stuff in, in between that's not just, you know, the fat friend. <laughs> okay, we could probably do like one or two more. Uh, Chuck a lot. 
I, I I have no idea what happens in that movie. I love it because I don't it's rom coms and chocolate. That's so you, a win win. That's a lot. You can have this one. I'm not I'm not even gonna read a Wikipedia entry to figure <laughs> out what chocolate is about. That's fair. Just Johnny Depp's in it. You don't want to know. Just fucking I, I feel like I've done pretty well. Are, are there any are we missing any? Have we They're sleepless in Seattle. The the number one. And we did we literally just did sleepless, yeah. didn't we? I mean, it is. Mail, which is the other sleepless. You've got mail. Oh, pretty similar. What's, okay. Except without the business stuff. What is, which please, <laughs> I always think that's big, but that's a different one. That's, by the way, when you were giving me shade for the 16 year old thing in big, doesn't a guy become an adult man who has a, gets horny for an adult woman? Did oh, no, I no, no, big no. Is one she, of my favorites? No, I did not. Him. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying cast ye stones <laughs> elsewhere. That's I, how that I proper. I would say that's <laughs> one of my favorite movies for a reason. It's not. Um, All right, what happens in you got Sleepless now? in Seattle is it opens with uh Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan again. Tom Hanks, uh his wife has recently died. His kid calls a radio show on, I want to say it was like Thanksgiving to say like uh I think my dad needs a new wife. And so they drag cool. they drag Tom Hanks onto the phone and he talks about how much he loved her and it becomes this like phenomenon. Meg Ryan's a reporter in Baltimore, she hears it, uh does kind of fall for him and keeps listening to like additional stuff about him while she's engaged to Bill Pullman. Again. Yeah, Bill Pullman's in this one too. Uh I, I heard you needed a professional cuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got that cuck look type beat. Wait, uh, I don't wait. So he just goes on the radio and goes like uh I w uh, hello, future wife and Meg Ryan. No, no, he he basically explains like what he missed about his dead wife, right? And all these women are oh, listening, the wife fall in love dead. with him, right? And so Meg Ryan, in particular, being a reporter, has access to like resources to track him down and stuff. And so it's this whole thing where she like sends a letter, uh, and the culmination is the kid goes to New York to meet the Meg Ryan character based off the letter she sent. The kid goes. The kid goes. Tom Hanks is forced to follow because his kid is flying to New York solo, so he's freaking the fuck out, right? And uh, uh, That's good writing. So they meet each other on top of the Empire State Building, which is an homage to a very old movie that is referenced constantly within Sleepless in Seattle. Birth of a Nation. <laughs> 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 that actually sounds, that sounds pretty good. It's quite good. Okay, so I wanted, I'm going to do this justice. <laughs> The good news is, as has been the case, there is a Korean version of this. It's sort of close. Okay. So just hear me out. All right. It's it's sleepless in Seattle. Okay. So Meg Ryan is an old woman who's the CEO of a robotics company, and <laughs> she connects with Tom Hanks. Okay. All right. Now she's embarrassed about her age, and so she builds a clone, uh, uh, like a robot of her younger self with an AI that she trains how to love using old letters she wrote to her husband who died in the Korean War. <laughs> oh, dude, that's fuck? pretty good. <laughs> well, I'm this is a real one. <laughs> I mean, so, I do want to watch this. Well, wait, we're, buddy, I, look, don't give me the money yet, okay? <laughs> I, here's the thing, okay? Mm -hmm. I know I've got you, but you can't just do one thing. So, turns out by training her clone AI on how to love, she herself, the CEO, right? The cold CEO, the, the widow, she remembers how to love anew. But see, now it's too late, right? Because the, the robot that she had stand in, Serrano de Bergerac style, the robot and Tom Hanks have met and, and Tom Hanks is falling in love with her robot who's now having unique experiences and diverging from the way of love that the old lady uh, programmed it. So. Here's the thing. You're like, okay, so it's Tom Hanks and the robot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No. 
because in that diverging, the robot falls out of love with Tom Hanks and falls in love with the memory of the dead husband. So now, <laughs> so now the robot builds her own AI of the CEO's husband, like in Westworld, and marries them. <laughs> her robot is now married to the robot that's a duplicate of the husband, and the two robots run off together. So Tom Hanks, he's fucking shattered. He sits down on the couch, right? He's like, I can't believe this has happened. What, how could this be? And then the old CEO comes out, the, the woman comes out and explains to Tom Hanks that she's sorry for everything she did, but like she's not young anymore. And she thought, you know, she, she wouldn't be capable of love even if she could be, be loved. But now she knows that that's not true. And she, she's sorry for hurting him and trying to reconnect. And so Tom, Tom Hanks, see, I got you here. Do you see? I'm, not, I'm, I'm enraptured. Tell so, me. So Tom Hanks looks at her and he freezes and he, he says, debug mode. Tom Hanks was a robot too. Door to the back room opens. What? It's the husband. He says, no, I'm the one that's sorry. The old ass husband had to fake his death in the war because he was doing secret South Korean war crimes. And also he built his own robot because he saw that she was in robotics on her rise as a CEO and their soulmates and the old people fuck and the robots fuck and they move in a multi-generational <laughs> household together. The end. Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> that's Is that amazing. Real? That is like 80% a real Korean, <laughs> uh, Korean romantic comedy. It's a series. So yeah, fuck your Blumhouse model. You just need enough ridiculous plot elements and <laughs> people will get sucked in. I mean, I'm, I'm literally like here with my mouth open. Like, wait, how is this happening? <laughs> Look, if you got that script, right. And, and you could be like, uh, uh, like the Westworld style, like robotics engineer that, that quips wise or like the confidant for the old CEO woman. It's like Korean Judy Dench. <laughs> You're telling me you don't at least give I'm that script a look? I'm jumping over that. I'll audition for that. I mean, I'll actually come in. Like, you let me know when and where. Sleepless in Seattle. It's good. It's not perfect is what I'm saying. <laughs> in, in, in your defense, Netflix is pumping out a ton of rom-coms, mostly with people you don't know, and a lot of them star Asian characters. So it does seem like, and they're good. So I, I don't know, like they're doing a little bit of both of those strategies at the same time. So like, I don't know, maybe they got your, uh, their, your notes. You don't have to duplicate the research. Korea has already succeeded with this method. <laughs> Just do what fucking, uh, the English did in world war two. Just steal the codes from another country. <laughs> Poland exactly. remembers <laughs> Bomba machine. <laughs> Brad, I think, I think you know this. When I was uh, out of school and couldn't find a job, I didn't want a hole in my resume. Right. So uh, I got a job doing security for a prestigious art museum. <laughs> like no qualifications. It was just like, okay, uh, you went to art school and you look enormous and Slavic. Do you want to literally just like guard a papal relic? I was like, well, that sounds pretty cool. They're like, oh, we're glad you think it's cool because we are paying you nothing. This is literally, <laughs> it's you and a bunch of retirees. And honestly, just having a young man around for them to talk to would take a load off of my shoulders. And so <laughs> you're like, well, I am from Florida. So yeah, somewhat unexpectedly, uh, they would just like post me up. You didn't even have to dress that nice. Like, you know, you just wear like, you know, black slacks and a black polo. There's also a big Slavic contingent. So I think they were doing it on purpose. Like they had all of the Baltics and Eastern Europe represented there. The the one Russian security guard kept trying to like set me up with people. <laughs> it, it was great. Um, 
But while I was there, the papal exhibit came through. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the the few times that this certain, I don't know, it, who knows how much of this was marketing, but it was like a big deal that the Vatican actually lent out a lot of these things for the first time, like out of Rome. Right. And so I'm just standing there for seven hours a day, just looking at these fucking uh, Botticellis and, and Giotto's and, and we had Michelangelo's. It was really That's inc- fucking awesome. Yeah. It was really incredible. And I would, and once people left, I could just walk alone in like a half lit gallery space through like carvings from the tombs of, of St. Peter at the Vatican or the, the regal vestments or the gilded manuscripts, all, all of the gifts to the popes, all the, a lot of John Paul II stuff. And I'll be honest, if you're going to drop acid, that's the place to do it. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, It was a lot of fun there, but because I was in like the uniform and everything, you know, the black on black and and just sort of uh, standing with my shoulders back and and my hands folded behind, you know, that douche walk you do when you put your, your hand in hand behind and just casually stroll with your nose up, (laughs) I would just do that between all these masterworks and people would ask me about them. And eventually I ran out of funny lies to tell people. (laughs) And so I was like, I should learn something. And I just got sort of into Catholic history and all that. And Twitter is the only place, only community I've ever seen outside the military that is aggressively horny, loudly horny, and specifically horny all at the same time. What does specifically horny mean? Specifically horny as in like, there's this one type of woman I like, right? And I'm going to talk about her every day on your timeline. Or actually, military example here. So when I was in um, tech school, so you do basic training and then you go get trained for your job, right? AIT is what they call it in uh, Army OCS. Yeah, they don't call it that in the Air well, they, Force. Well, they call it in the Air Force and the Chair Force, as I like to call it. Tech school. Tech school? Yeah. All right. Oorah. Go ahead. <laughs> so you get there and the, you know the first few days are them basically describing the rules for your new hell right uh, it's not quite basic training but you're still gonna treat you like dog shit and you're like all right great this is gonna suck um before classes start right they're waiting for enough people to start your class and your class all moves through together and uh, so while i'm there you know you're going to briefings and then you're just hanging out and cleaning basically uh i met this dude well, let's call him nick i only remember his last name and i'm not gonna dox him but so this dude nick one of the horniest people I've ever met, and specifically horny. He told you, if I ever get out of here, I'm going to start a podcast where you can finally say slurs. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Nick, it's Operation Iraqi Freedom. The odds of you getting out of here. And he goes, me and my brothers together, we'll finally be able to say <laughs> <laughs> I just like the listener to know that we believed it, but I did not say it. I still get liberal credit <laughs> despite taking the joke. It's called white privilege. It means we win both ways. <laughs> he was like a uh, very average looking nerdy white dude, right? So he's like five, five. Uh, he had glasses uh, and he had the glasses he wore. When you're in basic, you get these class glasses that are like these big, thick, hideous ones that are mm, that are mm. designed to not break or scratch. They're called BCGs. No, we have the same thing at Paris Island. <laughs> we joke that it stands for birth control glasses, right? You could like we would take turns chucking them at a locker to see if you could scratch them, and the lockers dented after a while. Like this is the kind of glass I'm talking about. Once you get a basic, you can switch them to like one of the other four or five frames that are less hideous. This is what he kept wearing. A that few makes people. sense though, because when you're in basic, like no one is trying to fuck. You're just uh, getting 
No, <laughs> any anytime, anytime you would be wearing the standard issue glasses, you're getting fucking smoked in the pit, not going out on a night on the town. You aren't wearing those glasses when you leave base. You aren't wearing those glasses when you're trying to court various people, right? You'd think so. I, but uh, first of all, there is a lot of fucking in basic. But yes, you'd think so. But there was a weird thing. Where Among like, whomst? Oh, there are girl and guy flights and they're in the same buildings, right? So people would sneak over and fuck people in like stairwells yeah, you, you and shit or behind you, dumpsters. Yeah, that's, that's like pretty t- common, honestly. Look, that's we, we've all been to a quinceanera, right? <laughs> but the the fact that <laughs> the fact that that's relevant to that, they take it off, right? So it doesn't make any sense. That's just there for the for the drone instructors or whatever lame shit the Air Force calls them. Should be. You get this sort of like weird thing though, where some people almost take. A, I'm gonna call it a hipster approach of being like, nah, now I'm going to wear them as a fashion statement. Oh, they're like, these are my soldier uh, right. glasses. And there's people who just correctly went, nothing matters. I'm miserable. Who gives a fuck? Those are my friends. Uh, but so these dude, this dude was wearing the BCGs. When right? I was a pharmacy tech, there were definitely people that would wear the lab coats, not when they're in the CVS pharmacy. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what? what is the game plan? Walk me through every step of that game plan for you. <laughs> So I'm standing next to this dude. We haven't had a single word pass between us, right? And this black girl walks by and he goes, that's the stuff. (laughs) This is my first introduction. Again, five, five, mousy white dude, giant glasses. I was like, excuse me? He was like, oh man, that's a Nubian goddess right there. Do you smell that? And I was like, what? No. And then he this proceeded. This guy's got some real confidence. I see why he's been <laughs> successful. And then he proceeded from then on, whenever I saw him, to relay me with tales of beautiful black women that he was obsessed with. And credit to this dude, he would always take shots. And he just became like a regular character. Where you're like, it's a great character. Where you're like, you're just you're going about your day, and you're like hanging out, and you just hear him at a distance being like, "Oh, look at that goddess go." Every time. (laughs) You're in your 30s doing a political podcast with another (laughs) white man. This man's living his best life. He was always living his best life. That's why he was such a character, because he was just completely confident and unashamed about it. Always. And like I said, like Twitter, loudly, specifically horny. There's something to be said for knowing what you want. There is. No, I respect taking shots. Uh... Me and you were just, to, to the listener uh, before we started recording. Me and Brett were watching one of the greatest comedians to ever work. Um, so if you ever watch Trailer Park Boys, this is something that me and Brett both just we love. Uh, it's a bit; it shouldn't be funny, but in Trailer Park Boys, uh, there's a character where whatever's happening in the main plot. Right, like Ricky's shooting off guns, and people are fighting over cable or a drug deal or whatever. There's the character, which is the guy who just lives in the building next door and hangs out his window <laughs> and goes, "Can you please stop shooting guns for fuck's sakes?" <laughs> and I don't know why, but people yelling from off screen—it's it, so funny. It's the funniest thing. It's to me. the best thing. It's great. And so me and Brett were just watching a video where apparently. There's just a K-pop fan, question mark, right? He may be a K-pop fan. It just may be one of those things where it's like right place at the right time. But outside of a K-pop studio where every single group goes to like record, after they record, they go out 
into the parking lot and they take like a group photo. And there is a Korean man who just happens to live in an apartment adjacent to the K-pop studio. And he is a true believer in like the, the Brett uh, basic training guy who takes every single shot. This guy just with like a bowl of cereal leans out of his window and it doesn't matter who's there just gives them earnest, genuinely kind compliments, but from a man holding a bowl shouting out of a window. It's so great. Anyone who hasn't seen this already, look up uh, Red Velvet Joy Superfan and just enjoy this. You can't not laugh. It's every Fucking band that hilarious. comes out, you'll just hear like they'll pose and they'll be like, uh, Red Velvet, Hamnada. And then all of a sudden you'll hear, Joy! I'm sorry it's been six months when you smile. Know that it makes millions happy. <laughs> Every fucking time. <laughs> if like if like Monster X is out there, he'll be like, show no. No one can stop him. He lives in an adjacent building. <laughs> he's in. Part. He's in his home. Nobody can stop this from happening. There's just people being like, "Can can we?" Shut that man down. Like, no, he lives here. Show You're in his no. area. Your example lets us know what a man can be. <laughs> oh, I love him. He just, he has the vibe of a guy that like every time he looks out his window, there's a K-pop group. There's another K-pop group. He All doesn't right, buddy. know who they are, but he just goes like, Yellow umbrella! When you smile, I have no doubt. We all are happier! That's how I'm trying to be. That's the energy I'm trying to bring. Have you heard of a game called Wild Arms? No. <laughs> yeah, good, because it was terrible. It was one of the first RPGs on the PlayStation 1. That uh, oh uh, the graphics on that were just horrific. I play games for the gameplay and the storytelling, not the graphics. You fucking philistine. <laughs> <laughs> so why were you playing Final Fantasy VIII? Ah oh, shit! Uh, I'll have you know, at the time, it was a four CD PlayStation game. Oh, I remember. I had it. Don't it was, uh... don't. Okay, I just wanted to make sure we got through the Straits of CD's Nuts unscathed. Continue. <laughs> I remember like, the uh, the great thing about Final Fantasy VIII, I didn't do this at the time, was that like you didn't actually have to fight any monsters because the, everything leveled up with you. So if you just withdrew and then like linked a hundred of something to a spell, you could like moonwalk through the game. Yeah, it was fucking dope. It, it had a wild story <laughs> and it taught you that, again, you are your dad, you fuck your mom at some point, a witch makes you travel in time, and you can game the system in a way that's arbitrary and unfair. Look, if that doesn't relate to you, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Final Fantasy 3, you could recruit one of those little Moogle things and it killed things with dancing. That was great. I don't like how you dismissively pretended you don't know about Moogles. Uh, of course I know no, what Moogles that, are. But... That was not passing. Everyone here knows the truth. <laughs> <laughs> say the thing they say. Say it, John. Upo? Thank you. Thank you. You are welcome. The defense rests. 
That's that's my version of a few good men. What do Moogles say? I don't know what Moogles say. What do they say? Kupo. <laughs>
bro, I feel so bad that my ancestors colonized what's now known as Canada. Uh, we should go pick up some chicks tonight and just like let them murder us as reparations. It's like no more stolen sisters now. <laughs> oh, I just, I wrote a character, Sophie, that I, I think it's the same thing, basically. It's okay. um, the Tumblr bro. Okay. Hey, is one true parent for you. Beers and brats, baby. Yo, I know it's <laughs> fucked up, but what if we had 90 Chanel? But it's only for the boys. Hey! What's up, bitch? I think my cat's my son. Man. Don't ever blog about radical consent. It's fucked up. Anyway, fuck that shit. It's the weekend, baby. You know what that means? All mental illnesses are valid. Get out of here. Yo, I, Holy shit. I'll hit that shit like Sam and Dean did in Supernatural Season 7. Castile, you get the reference. <laughs> oh, no, but no bullshit. When Edward said, as if you could outrun me, that's the day I became a woman, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Yo, that's, that's so I don't know if that's there yet. That's just, that's just something I was feeling. Uh, it's there. Okay, I have a racist cross-stitch Etsy store owner. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So she's like, (laughs) live, love, laugh, the white race. (laughs) Uh, And then she's like, in this home, we never go to bed angry. We read Norse mythology and we always deny the Holocaust. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a visual one, but yeah, I got you. (laughs) That's... Hey guys, Liz Warren YouTube unboxing. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's more of a concept. <laughs> now, the first item in the race science mystery box <laughs> is a caliper. We'll add that to the link down below. <laughs> Liz Warren could spit Good. in a top and then in my mouth. Am I right? Boys, oh. boys, boys. All right. <laughs> Liz Warren is it sort of reminded me of this other character I've been working on. It's mm-hmm. called it's called Foreign Policy Trixie Mattel. Oh, <laughs> I love Trixie. Oh, honey, domestic support for the AK the AKP. It's not the only thing going down, honey. More like Rayshep Tayep Erdu want, honey. <laughs> the, the only Korean typo dong I want to see is the one on Glorious Leader, honey. More like Kim Il Hung. Oh. Honey. <laughs> This tuck, honey, I call it Israel's historical claims on the 11th because it's all an illusion, honey. Oh. <laughs> Holy fuck. Oh, wait. <laughs> I I got um, I got international Rubik's cube champion who doesn't see color. <laughs> He's just like, uh, I don't know, man. I'm like blessed. My parents are pretty liberal, and uh, I just grew up around all different kinds of Rubik's cubes. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah guys. Okay. Payla, Payless shoe source sneakerhead. <laughs> uh, I only collect uh. rare sketchers. <laughs> Affordable footwear is a man's best friend. <laughs> guys, this next character, uh, trigger warning for eating disorders. <laughs> Uh, and also, I'm sorry, I don't know how to do an Irish accent, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm so ready. Yes. This is uh, water fasting Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> 
You throw them weak kicks, I'll check them like the calories on a cookies and cream halo top. I'm going to eat your ass and log 400 calories to be safe. <laughs> Why is he Jamaican? I, I'm going to be a grandmother's Thanksgiving dinner. You might get me down, but once we're alone, I'm coming right back up. <laughs> okay, I really like that one. I a love lot. that one. I, that, one hit, that one hit me a lot. Of yeah, places. that was good. <laughs> I got a film school bro who goes on Pimp My Ride. Yo, we heard you love telling people that Woody Allen was just misunderstood. So we filled your whip to the brim with 15-year-old girls that are sexually confused and wearing berets. Boo, boo, boo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel... <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Uh, me and Brett, as you know, have run dumb and awful for over six months now. And we've never faced a situation like this before. But... <laughs> recent activities on the pod um, that we do take responsibility for have sort of changed things. I feel like one of those girls is my next character. Oh, dread, 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 yeah. dread, dread, Sophie, please. Uh, basic girl that's an audiophile for Discman. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing beats the sound of a CD skipping when I go over my speed bump on a fixed gear bike. <laughs> 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 That's every girl she's ever dated. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I have a Catholic mermaid who only does anal. <laughs> and it's like it's like uh, <laughs> it's like What's it like? What's it like, F? <laughs> so it's like blub 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 blub. Are you sure you love me? <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ. Also, I, I did that one for someone today, and he was like, That's not a character, that's just your life. <laughs> you know what? That is a good character because I do believe that is what it would be like. You, you brought that moment to life in my imagination, and that's what all art is about, really. Thank you. Thank at you its core. <laughs> I met a guy last night that was good inspiration for a character, but I couldn't figure out what it was specifically. But I overheard this guy at a club dancing with his, like, assuming his girlfriend. And he was like, babe, are you having a good night? By the way, I met your parents yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, I think that I hate it when people do new characters and they're never, like, inspired by, like, a real life person. Because you remember when I did, like, Die That Only Has One Tweet? And it's at Gordon Ramsay asking him if he approves of the spaghetti dinner that he made for his police foundation's classmates. <laughs> Just that was a real guy. <laughs> okay, so I, lo- I love that guy so much. I, I know I know he'll never know, but like I feel a true heartfelt mm-hmm. love for that man. Dead, dead, J Dub, where are you at? Well, I have no character. That was left. that was uh, very funny. Boys and Sophie. I was surprised by a few of those. They were really good. We didn't spoil them for each other, which was extremely difficult. It's hard. All right, Brett. You want to take us through whatever news stuff? (laughs) Yeah. I love that you just sound utterly drained now. Now that you've done all of your fucked up characters. Oh, I'm sorry. I have finite serotonin and I saved it all week for you. But I guess that wasn't good enough. (laughs) Uh, Fuck off. 
new character, comedian who's really depressed and has to go out and make people laugh every fucking night. I guess I'm just a sad clown. <laughs> just I'm just a sad fucking clown, huh? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> Just because I, I stand on this stage, you feel entitled that I should have to go make you feel happy? Yeah. <laughs> Literally me getting on stage. Literally, yeah. <laughs> uh, twenty fourteen, early twenty fourteen, which would have been the twenty thirteen NFL season. Okay. Seahawks and Broncos. Okay. Is Tim Tebow the quarterback right now? No, it is. Um, this is a conspiracy. This is a Kucinich okay. story. Oh, I'm, I'm fucking in. This is like one is of those Orton? things. I yeah. can't. I can't remember. No, it's Peyton Manning. It is yeah, Peyton, no, Manning. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Orton had yeah. left at that point. Uh, versus Russell Wilson. Oh, or rest in peace. Seattle Seahawks defense. That's when they were at their peak. Yeah, twelve uh, man. I get it. Twelve man. Hell yeah. I am at a Super Bowl party. I won't say which um, specific interest group or social cause on the left, but it is a gathering of people in that effort. All right. End of the first quarter, knock on the door. Hey, someone opens it up. What's that? Oh, it's it's Dennis Kucinich and his wife, Jackie. Yo, this party just got kicked up a notch. I think his wife, I think his wife is Jackie, right? It's either Jackie or that's his daughter. If you're asking me if I know Dennis Kucinich's wife, you've gone off course. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Dennis, Dennis yes. Kucinich and his wife come in. So Dennis Kucinich's wife is at least a foot taller than him. Oh, for sure. Tall queen. She, Love to see yeah, it. Yeah, she She's according is, to Amazon. Yes. Red hair, tall, slender, you know, attractive woman. Dennis Kucinich is like five foot four. He's a fucking Keebler elf. Keebler. Good policies, he looks like, but he's a Keebler elf. Great, you know, progressive guy. Jeff Sessions aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> that Jeff Sessions energy. So... You know, it's like, he's hey, got, he's got that that Bernie policy and that Jeff Sessions <laughs> aesthetics. You know what we're about. OK, so they come into the party and there's everyone, you know, bring your own snacks, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it sounds like he brought his own snack. as oh, well. Oh, he did. He did. And he also brought a box of Luna bars. You know, the king shit, the, the, the dietary group, the dietary snack bar. That primarily appeals to uh, women and people who are trying to severely cut down on the calories. That's um, so deranged. It already. is. It is. And it gets weirder. So as the party <laughs> goes on, they're just kind of hanging out. And by like the end of the second quarter, Dennis Kucinich is sitting on his wife's lap. And it's just like <laughs> just nibbling a Luna bar. Hell yeah. What, what's up, fam? Cool, man. And Dennis Kucinich spent the rest of the 2014 Super Bowl sitting on his wife's lap at this house party. And just like, no fucks given. This was entirely normal. Can I ask you just for my own visual? Yeah. Now, are we talking her legs he is closed, like, uh, he's on the side, like, or is, she, is he just straight between? Is this a lap uh, dance type scenario, no, no, or no, is no, he no, riding no. side he saddle? Is, he is, okay, I'm I'm pointing to my kneecaps right here for the audio for the listener. His butt does not exceed like three or four inches in on her thigh. He is like on the tip of her kneecaps. He's like sitting on Santa's lap. All right. So. I can't even like I can't even describe how weird it looked. And like people are still talking about it. I need to just Bro, don't kink shame. 
Yeah, first of all, hey, that dude, fucking that's rules. what you want to do. But also, okay. that fucking every theory I've ever had about that coupling just fucking clicked into place. Yeah, so thank number you for that one, image. Dennis Kucinich. Rob is looking it up right now. Dennis, well, I'm not it, looking up Dennis Kucinich. I'm trying to see if his wife has a Twitter because, you know. Is it Jackie Queen. or is that his daughter? <laughs> Here, Elizabeth Kucinich. Is that his wife? Uh, oh, my God. See? Honestly, I also kind of love that because I the, the, the suspicion Six people had for a tall. long time. All right, I might have to break my oath. Hey, let's find out. <laughs> let's see if she's on Twitter. I might have to get in those DMs. No would you okay? Paladin. Would you guys ever sit on your wife's lap? I'm six three. That's a I'm not hurting anybody. Right, she's seven foot. You sit, on, <laughs> you, sit, you sit on her lap, buddy. You know what? I'll I go don't ahead. know. I'll try. I'll commit to this right now. You find me a, a seven Brittany foot Griner. slav. I'll sit yeah. on that lap. <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta be, you gotta be about good giving in games so like i'm gonna oh, shot i'm not gonna talk shit i'll try it i just okay. I, I love that because i always i always worried worried because yeah, kucinich yeah. was you know back in the day like the only progressive who actually fucking spoke up about anything sure, sure. um so the concern was always that like it was a purely sexless marriage she was attracted by the power kind of deal right she is 31 years younger than him yeah oh. Dude, that's why everybody assumed him. it was like a sexless power thing. Yeah. The fact that they just have like a beautiful kink relationship yeah. is honestly kind of heartwarming. Look up Dennis Kucinich. There's someone for everyone, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like the They're fact really, that incels exist is insane. It when is you see Dennis so, Kucinich and his wife. That is so true. bizarre. I keep saying this. If Dennis Kucinich can fuck, all of us can. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. She should just wear heels every single day. And by the way, you'd be able to if you were with me, girl. So just let me get in those DMs. Hey. Listen, we should all be following Dennis Kucinich's wife. What, yeah. what is her Twitter? Okay. At EJ Kucinich. That's E J K U C I N I C H. And the thing is, if you Google her, uh, in a lot of the images, she's with Dennis. Um, and like Dennis is like over her shoulder, which means she is literally kneeling to take that photo. <laughs> this is delightful, though. It was I, weird, uh, man. It was so weird. Oh, she's a Tulsi person. She's, <gasps> she's a Tulsi person. She's a Tulsi stand, oh, too. Oh, shit. Look at her feed. <laughs> oh, no. oh no. My phone just died. Tulsi shit. Fuck. It's all Tulsi shit. <laughs> <laughs> the light peeked through the curtains for a moment and God just slammed them Dennis shut. Dennis hasn't posted since Dennis has not posted since uh 2012. That honestly that's probably healthy. Yeah, that he just seems out. like Good he's going him. from strength to strength. Dennis Kucinich. Yeah, dude, he's going from congressman to a wife true pimp and a king. Sitter. All right, sorry. I I can't do podcasting anymore. Uh I, I have to <laughs> I have to go think about I need, this for I need a while. To text like eight people. I'm going to take a very <laughs> I'm going to take a very cold shower and then reorganize my life. <laughs> I like any candidate that's an astronaut because my experience with astronauts, I've only had one and it was good. So that's a hundred percent ratio. <laughs> when I was in high school, uh, one of the people on like the space station or whatever was uh, an astronaut that went to our high school and so they decided to name like the little Florida road that runs into our enormous school parking lot after the astronaut. I forget what his name is. Like, I don't know, it's one of those guys that fucking tweets too much or whatever. <laughs> and so renaming the road, he came in and we had an all school uh, assembly. And this is like, there's like, this pretty fucking overcrowded Florida school. If that's, <laughs> that's like the one constant, right? And so there's just like thousands of us in, in this like huge uh, sprawling uh, uh, building. I don't remember the, the specifics of the speech, but the broad lines were like, yep, here I am back where it all started. 
I know a lot of you are looking around going, man, a place like this feels hopeless. You know, you're probably just <laughs> doing drugs all day, just getting into fights. And we're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think our school's that bad. It's just like having to protect your sister from being felt up in the hallway. Switchblades switch come out and so does the desperation. I'm like, I don't think it's that bad here. This is not my lived experience. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's just like, but you know what? You two can escape. <laughs> yeah. Bro, what was your youth like? Jesus. But I'm just, it's just like, you could tell that, like, no, he was, our school was bullshit, but just like in... in the fact that he had to call it out and go, okay, I'm going back to space. See you, losers. It's <laughs> fucking sick. I, it's fantastic. I think if I recall correctly, a um, the dad of a, a girl I went to elementary school with uh, was an astronaut. And then typical of New Hampshire uh, politics, he he lost some local political race when he when he tried to run. That, that rules. Thanks. Yeah, nice. His, his opponent's just like, I think going to space is gay in a way. And, and the yeah. voters, they didn't decide, but it introduced that uncertainty. <laughs> it eroded confidence in his uh, candidacy. The Rachel Maddow Show, weeknights at 9 Eastern on MSNBC. I'm Rachel Maddow. We got a great show for you tonight. A lot to cover about the Mueller investigation. But first, I want to take you back to late 18th century, to the Ohio River Valley. Ohio, coming from the Seneca, Ohio, meaning good river. And if you were a settler there at about that time, you'd have agreed it lived up to its reputation. In 1781, Thomas Jefferson called the Ohio River the most beautiful river on earth. It was the primary waterway by which English settlers reached what would become the heartland of America. In no time at all, it became one of the major centers for commerce in young America. Settlers poured down its tributaries towards a better life in unexplored America. It was opportunity. It was manifest destiny. And for a young physician named Nathan Barnabas Culver, it was his big break. Dr. Culver was a physician of some renown in Cornwall, but his hybrid medicinal slash spiritual remedies, think laudanum porridge, cocaine meat pies, ran him afoul of the religious authorities. And like so many at that time, he made the difficult passage to America. Animated by the belief that there he would find the religious freedom and economic opportunity that we cherish to this day. After the Treaty of Paris ceded most of the valley, uh, the Ohio River Valley to the United States, Dr. Culver was one of the first homesteaders to southwestern Ohio, where he founded the town of Hope, seen here. As you can see, a, a, it's, a real, it's a real general store and blacksmith ordeal that nevertheless, it continued on with some prosperity for a time until a raid of indigenous peoples killed Dr. Culver, allegedly for the attempted overprescription of hysteria treatments. He was survived by his wife, Elizabeth, and his daughter, Deborah Culver, here, uh, who suddenly found themselves alone on the frontier, a semi-hostile world uh, in which their limited skills uh, provided little balm. But remember, these were frontiers women, not like you and I. They're made from sturdier stuff. And they didn't take their ball and go home. Instead, they did what Americans do, and they became entrepreneurs. 
they realized that at a certain point, Dr. Culver's patients had been coming as much to taste the, the sweet baked goods in the waiting room as for Dr. Culver's laudanum treatments. Honestly, those two probably complement each other, but, but anyway, anyway. Uh, Elizabeth Culver's cakes, sweetbreads, and pastries remained popular even after the doctor's death. And that's how, right there in Hope, Iowa, sorry, right there in Hope, Ohio, a fixture of Americana was born. The Little Debbie Frontier Pastry and Snack Company was founded in 1795 by Elizabeth Culver, named after her daughter, Deborah Debbie, and you know their work to this day. Swiss rolls, fudge rounds, the oatmeal cream pie, the cream-filled cupcakes that are now iconic and omnipresent. That was Elizabeth and Debbie. And these two women, they did it alone. They are responsible for this great American success story. But are they also responsible for Brett at Relentless Boredom being so fat now? Oh, my God. Did I just have to sit through a terrible Rachel Maddow impression for four minutes expert for a Brad fucking fat joke? Thank you, Rachel, for having me on. Oh, it's my truly God. Amazing. And it's that Relentless oh, it's Boredom. And from the Foundation for Foreign Affairs and Emergent Technologies, uh, we have John at Cali. You got both of them. Is this going to uh, keep going? Thank you, Rachel. Uh, pleasure to be here. <laughs> oh my God. Good to see you again. Um, now, Brad, uh, I'm glad everybody's in on this. Awesome. Uh, how does something like this happen? Is it the stereotype that we all think of cheeseburgers and bacon? Or is it the fudge rounds and the cupcakes doing most of the, oh no pun God. intended, heavy lifting? Well, thank you. That's a fantastic question. In healthcare, we like to attribute oh, this is things a full to on thing. We're going to keep going. Monofactorial causes, <laughs> right? So we have genetics. We have um, we have nature, nurture, the environments. We have something that he can't fight. We have stress. Or in Brett's case, we have uh, an unholy combination of literally every <laughs> factor possible, which has oh my God. clearly <laughs> manifested itself into um, what we see here in front of us with a presentation so severe. It's it might be comforting to think there's only one problem, but in reality there are just several. I'm six three. I'm, I, I'm sorry if I'm hearing you right. There, so what you're saying is there's there's no one thing that could make someone as fat as Brett is. One ninety six and six three. I mean, it is it is possible that he could be so committed to obesity that he could take one path, but it's it strikes me as unlikely that someone with that amount of willpower. Uh, wouldn't spend it towards doing literally anything else except for getting fat. So yes, I would I would have to say that there is no one thing that could do this. <laughs> so John, I want to bring you in now. Now, John, when you see someone like Rob at Dumb and Awful, 6'7", body comp of Kevin Durant, oh, skinny dreams. legend. In your dreams. And then you find out Brett is seven inches shorter and now the exact same weight. Four inches shorter. How do shorter. those numbers hold up internationally? How would Brett stack up against his fellow global citizens? Four inches and still oh, six pounds Oh, yes. Uh, Brett now resembles the, the famed Budai or Happy Buddha, a monk <laughs> in simple robes who would often pat his belly while laughing <laughs> and surrounded by young children. That is what we're oh looking at God. here. <laughs> now... Now, now, John, it sounds like what you're saying is that it might not be a bad thing. And I know a lot of cultures actually value, um, you know, the, the amount of fatness that Brett currently has. I'm thinking of Peter Paul Rubens, for example. Uh, does that hold up? How long oh, oh yes. Been? Uh, there's been uh, numerous reports to the International <laughs> Whaling Commission that there's a significant interest in pursuing Brett at this time. Uh, he, he has also been offered refuge in the Australian whale sanctuary. Uh, this is located outside Japan's exclusionary economic zone. 
<laughs> you know, Blubber gets a bad rap, but I'm glad that Brett is changing the dialogue there. Brad, I want to oh, get yeah. you back in, though. We know that Brett is an Appalachian-American. Uh, to this day, his family uh, still lives in what we call the Little Debbie States. Well, how much of this is nurture and how much is his nature? Is this a genetic inevitability he's dealing with? That's a fantastic <laughs> question. I have a lot of medical experience in Appalachian medical communities. We call these underserved communities. And I think what mm. you have to realize is with Brett generally, this is not a unique condition. Mm, okay. What we're seeing here is very typical for these little Debbie states. These are uh, high lipid, uh, high cholesterol, high lipid, um, you know, high blood sugar. When he talks, you can hear the low density, you know, the LDA you rattling. Absolutely can. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's phenomenal. Mm. What is remarkable about this case in particular is the sheer god i just want to say dedication to how he's gotten here um oh, it takes work not as dedicated as you are it to does joke. and in a kind of way that's commendable it's respectable if you're going to do something fucking do it but on the other excuse me i apologize i didn't mean to swear on your show rachel that's okay that's okay it's an important topic i understand if, you, if you get emotional you guys. I, I, I thank you i appreciate it <laughs> But in other hands, you know, he's sort of built himself a log cabin made out of oatmeal cream cookies, and he's mm. eating himself out from the inside. So, um, admittedly, that does sound delicious, but still, fuck you. You know what? I'm just glad Brett has found a home in glucose. But, John, you know what we don't talk about enough in this country? It's mental health. And for years, Rob at Dumb and Awful, he was the fat friend between <laughs> him and Brett. And suddenly, I never said that. Everything is different. Uh, they're the same weight and Rob's so much taller. How's that likely to be affecting Brett mentally? We are not the same weight. Uh, yes, I'm still this, lighter. this normally will probably involve uh, leading him to isolate himself more, probably binging more uh, more British baking shows on Netflix well, I mean, yeah. and the like. But uh, there is there is con a growing concern that with uh, the upcoming Brexit that this may affect the availability. Oh, I never thought of that. Now, now, let me ask you, when he's binging these shows, is that because he's falling into a pit of despair or does he just not know how fat he's getting? Wait, is Great British Bake Off really oh, dangerous? I, I think it's a combination of the two. But as always, it, it depends entirely on the day and mood and just which Cupcake Wars seasons are available at eh, the time. I don't like Cupcake Wars. I, I think that makes sense. Uh, Brad, in terms of athletic performance, we know Brett's a militant socialist mm, who true. believes the current government should be replaced somehow, the whole Gumby leftism thing, uh, with a legitimate socialist one. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. As he gets more and more fat, is there <laughs> some concern that the pungent sweat and heavy breathing might give him away uh, when him and his comrades are engaging in some sort of subversive direct action. How long is well, this? I think that's and you know that's a good question. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. So think of this more of like a direct confrontation. In that situation, it would be incredibly beneficial to have a giant bullet shield at the front of the lines <laughs> marching into the police uh, columns to suck up a lot of those rubber bullets for the other people who are in shape, so they don't you know tire themselves out do dodging uh, rounds. This is a ten minute round. Oh, it's good to see. This patriotism will uh, remain presentable. Uh, John, how much of this is just the American 24-hour media needing a story? Is Brett really fat, or are we talking smoke and no fire here? Smoke and no I mean, fire. of course, Americans have a significantly fat. larger version of fat than in the international oh community. God. And if you look at that reporting from Al Jazeera to BBC to Xinhua to even Sputnik, there is international consensus on Brett's obesity here. <laughs> Well, it's nice uh, in the year of our Lord 2019 to have a consensus on something. Uh, that thing, again, and I can't emphasize this enough, Brett being fat and the fat friend. Uh, last question, Brad. 
<laughs> Brett is getting older. <laughs> well, Rachel, as we all are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very true. Very true. Um, now, how much of Brett being a fat little Debbie addicted slob is just the natural process of aging? Oh, fuck you. Well, as we age, our taste buds change, and we're unable to detect subtle tastes as well as we used to. You'll see this in the elderly uh, eating tons of fast food because of the sodium content or hanging out with donuts or something like that. With Brett's case, though, I think we have to take into consideration that you, you know, think of his hair, for example. It's it's thick and luscious while the it rest is. of him is literally rotting. Okay. Um, A much. Because the sweat and the pure cholesterol that are just tripping out of his pores are really uh, lubricating and giving it that nice sheen and shine. So it's, it's, <laughs> It's a little bad, but it's a little good. Oh my you know? God, how much more is there? You know, I, I, I don't want to start a debate because we're running out of time. Thank but God. I would say while his hair is thick and luscious, at this point, so is the rest of his body. So it's all <laughs> looking up for Brett. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for taking the time. Oh my God, finally. Thank you, Rachel. Always a pleasure. I made a life change, Brett. You know, I, I hate to spring this on you, but the content gods must be slated. Uh, I just want you to know that after a lot of deliberations, uh, a lot of time alone, a lot of heavy thought, a lot of self-examination, meeting with my family, meeting with my my pastor, examining my faith, I have decided, and I hope you'll support me in this, though I understand if you won't, but I I have decided I will no longer be Volso. Wait, wait, wait. So you've decided not to be Volso. So you're no longer. So you're, you're I have decided. Again. I have decided to swap from Volso to Incel. I've read. I've prepared myself to lay down my arms <laughs> as a Volso paladin. I I lie before you. I place my great sword, Thirstbreaker, and my shield. Close DMs on Twitter. <laughs> I lie them before you, and I say, from this day forth, I am an Incel. Is that is this something you can choose? I thought that end means involuntary. In a way, I've been choosing it all my life, Brett. <laughs> Just with my general behavior and demeanor and appearance <laughs> and grooming and the way I treat women. I hope I've been a, a good example of many Volcel squires out there currently making their bones, fighting the good fight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you switch job classes like that? I very much have. By keeping my nut, my MP has increased tenfold. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Brett, I'm I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this as a spur of the moment thing. I've I've thought this through, and the thing is, I'm giving up my vows after so long, not for a man or a woman. No, I'm not horny for something that mundane. I'm horny for a little something called the free market. <laughs> I know you can't see this, but I'm. I'm I'm pulling down a projector screen and I'm, I'm pressing several buttons. This is basically Don Draper's carousel uh, pitch <laughs> right now. I expect several people will be crying. I actually <laughs> invited the whole community in to hear this. <laughs> but here's the thing. Going in sell, that's a market opportunity, baby. I'm talking bing, bang, boom, big numbers, equities, arbitrage. I got all this shit. Let me ask you this right now. How many people live in China? A few billion? 10 billion people live in China. That means there's 800 million incels in the Chinese market alone. <laughs> you know what P.T. Barnum said? He said there's a fool born every day. Well, in the China incel community, that's an Elliot Rogers born every day. I'm about to make a mint on this untapped market. There's probably even more than that because of gender imbalance. 
You might be looking at 100 million plus. Look, I've thought it through. I'm not thrilled about the pivot. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't prefer it this way. It seems like a hard life. <laughs> Everyone knows the way to do socialism is you have to be slightly reactionary, pivot to Patreon, then get some of that sweet cash flow going. <laughs> and then you figure out the socialism thing later once you got those sweet, sweet dollar bills. That's, I mean, I mean, I guess I realize that is dengism. <laughs> like it's literally dengism. Uh, uh, maybe, oh, fuck. Yeah, all podcasts are inherently dengist now is what I just realized. Probably that's why they're so inherently repellent. But I am going to talk where nobody else on the left will. I'm going to talk to these incels. I'm going to talk about incel issues, okay? I'm going to talk about why the new Smash Brothers doesn't include my Shiranui. <laughs> oh, she's too buxom for a family game? That's discriminatory. I'm going to talk about the unfair cuck moderators on the Paradox Interactive forums. That's right. Your day has come. I'm going to refer to the Ot 50 ACP as a man's caliber and not that <laughs> nine millimeter pussy shit, despite never firing either. I'm talking real incel shit. I'm finally going to call out those people who post in slash gif instead of slash requests, even though they don't have enough source images to start the thread. I'm going to talk about foreskin restoration and how they keep changing the design on the phone chargers, which means you got to keep buying new fake charger pinhole cameras to spy on your sister. <laughs> we'll talk about phrenology, nutting in the bottles of conditioner for some reason, kingdom hearts, never drinking or doing drugs because you like to be, quote, in control, ethics in gaming journalism, calling every athletic contest sports ball and thinking I'm clever, learning to code. Learning the Sarge 10s using the mystery method, Alienware PCs, cargo shorts, <laughs> complaining about how Jordy has 75,000 subscribers despite putting out only a half dozen very mediocre Rainbow Six Siege videos and being a fake gamer girl. I'm going to argue <laughs> for hard subs over soft subs. I'm going to talk about rifle scopes. That's right. I know about ACOGs and reflex sites and when they're good. I'm going to argue for not changing in the locker room for gym class and swimming with your shirt on. From here on out, as an incel icon, I'm going to ask girls if they like comics so much, how come you haven't heard of Squirrel Girl? I'm going to get emotionally <laughs> invested in defending one's choice of video game console, saying racial slurs to defend the First Amendment, and models, parentheses, trains, and Gundams only. <laughs> I'm going to claim Anna de Armas, ruined Blade Runner. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yell at my mom and maybe your own. I'm going to believe the barista and me maybe have a connection that I could act on at any moment. I'm going to feel immediate regret upon wearing a paper mache Pepe mask to a political rally. I'm going to use a $1,400 SLI GPU setup and three weeks of electricity to deep fake Daisy Ridley on a Belle Delphine. <laughs> soylent. Just soylent. You already know. <laughs> I'm going to spell ephebophilia without missing a beat. I'm going to say copy pasta out loud in any context, whether or not anyone understands me, because that's on them. I'm going to say, buddy, you come after me, you better fucking kill me. I don't give a fuck. I'm dangerous. I'm going to say Judeo-Christian and think it means anything. I'm going to buy a Mazda RX-8 <laughs> and complain about immigrants not contributing while being fully supported by my disappointed dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to grow a patchy mustache that defies God and society, but then shave it because I have a Joker cosplay coming up. I'm going to talk about <laughs> Princess Mononoke trying unsuccessfully to bring back those shoes with the wheels so you know how you can skate when you're walking because I think that's pretty dope. Oh, I'm going to say the words bone pressed out loud <laughs> in any context. 
These are issues incels care about, like stressing about the grammar in your death threat to Rose Tico, <laughs> Taylor Swift, game theory that you haven't got around to actually studying, but you pretty much get the gist of it, mumbling under your breath while walking on an otherwise beautiful day, installing a printer for a girl you used to go to high school with and you're seeing for the first time on your first Thanksgiving back from college, but you think it might quote unquote score you points. <laughs> These are incel issues. No one else is talking about backgammon, self-identifying as a storm chaser, buying a $5,000 katana made of meteorite and dropping it in your stepdad's pool when swinging at a stack of tatami or advocating for reply guy rights. And starting today, all that shit changes. <laughs> Dick rating. Yeah, so that there's a uh, industry of... Uh, um, it seems like it's pretty common. I think most women that are doing sex work and there really is a story to be written about how sex work has become kind of the like one of the things people are doing, you know, like very, oh, I, very mainstream. You say this in the first of all, like uh, we collab and are listened to by a good number of sex workers. So just head heads up there okay, <laughs> as, sure. yeah, as yeah, we yeah. go in. Uh, but yeah, it's one of those things that you say in the article where if you're already receiving and this is just a horrible reality of, of the capitalist hellscape we're in. Mm -hmm. Right. And all the things we hit before toxic masculinity, the patriarchy, all that shit, you're already receiving unsolicited dick pics right. that you just have to all the time deal with. Yeah. So by putting a price on it, right. you're, you're not only, are you like turning it into a kink? Well, you're, you're not only shaping their behavior saying, yeah. Hey, explicitly, if you want to do this, which right. history has shown me, you do regardless <laughs> of what I say right. yeah. or consent to, uh, this is now the price, right? It's all upfront. So uh, it, this sucks, but at least I'm now getting paid from this thing I never really wanted to do in the first place. Right? Yeah, that yeah. seemed to be the vibe. And the 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 people doing it were very like I I kind of expected them to either say, oh yeah, I tell them all that their dick is huge, or oh I humiliate them and tell them how small their dick is. Well, I thought they, it was they like you wouldn't pay for someone to tell you your dick is huge. You right. would just get a girlfriend. It's, it's true. <laughs> But I guess the alternative is I thought it would be like kind of like a humiliation kink thing. But what I learned from the woman I spoke to, it's like, no, I just give a completely honest appraisal. It's like a fucking like, like, like a really honest critique. We got a 360 feedback yeah. about your dick. Like a, like a one to 100 point scale on what I think of your dick, which I thought was really interesting of. Yeah, this is why men are paying women for accurate critiques. Yeah, accurate. Exactly. Accurate critiques. But what you get out of this is like a lot of the women are craftsmen about it. I like I thought as well it would be like a fairly straightforward once you okay, so it's not a kink where you're just giving an honest assessment, so you're just like pumping them out. And they're like, Oh no, we have a list of talking points. Uh, one of them said she always tells her subject which Pokemon or video game character her subject right, penis yeah, brings to I mind. Remember that, yeah. One looked exactly like a Diglett. Right. Right, I just thought, right. like, I don't know that I want my dick compared to a Pokemon character. Well, you probably don't want your dick rated in general. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I've never, how often, anytime there's like a court deposition or something, we have had, we've been subjected to, to having to hear descriptions of so many powerful people's dicks. And it's always yes. the most mm. gruesome thing. Yeah. And I don't think it's because rich people have grosser dicks or gross dicks make you uh, more interested in accumulating wealth. Though I am going to write that down, lest I forget. <laughs> that might need more research. Uh, it, it's just that all dicks don't stand up to flowery prose. Dicks are not <laughs> the most aesthetically pleasing things in the world. Why would you write about dicks? You that write about being sunset? said, yeah. 
I don't know if I speak for everyone. I think I actually do, though. I think every dude goes through a period of like, oh, is my dick bad? Bad dick is a problem that you could yeah, have. Sure. And, and this is why, look, I'm actually, this seems like a crazy thing. You read the story, you read the headline, certainly, and you're like, why would you pay a random woman to go like, okay, here's, here's what I think about your dick. Right? And the article you talk about, because you can't trust your girlfriend. Your girlfriend's not going to tell you if your dick sucks. Which, by the way, is rational. They probably should, though. Should or shouldn't? They should. No. Um, no. Okay. They shouldn't say your dick sucks, but it'd be not you. Okay. If it's, yes if and it, no. If it's purely, it's like your dick is always going to suck. Don't tell me. But if there's something I can do better with it, then I wouldn't mind knowing. Yeah. On the one hand, open communication lines, like, and that's sort of radical honesty right. when it comes to sexuality and your relationship. If you think my dick is small, don't tell me. It, Outside like, of that. That's good because you want to be able to satisfy each other and communication is right. like the number one way that you do that. Like yeah. dick is two or three or whatever sure. the fuck behind yeah. communication. On the other hand, I'm not a woman, but I imagine telling guys that they got bad dick is a great way to get uh, domestic violence. Right. And like they're in real threat. That's a good point. If they yeah. piss off the right. random guy. So it's hard to come back from that. It makes total sense. The guys in your article, they're just like, you know what? I can't trust my girlfriend on my dick. Good. That totally right. irrational. Yeah. The fact that they can pay twenty five dollars. Not that much money. Not really. that much money yeah, no, to really have not. an insecurity handled for the rest of your life, yeah. and then you can move yeah, on yeah. as a man who thinks about a, his dick significantly less. You're a better it's human. A, it's for like it. an impulse buy. You know, it's an like, impulse I'm, buy I'm, that I'm, makes I'm you more enlightened. Yeah. It's such an incredibly male approach to insecurity, though, of being like, I'm insecure about this thing. Therefore, this problem needs to be solved. How do I solve it permanently? It's not like getting to love myself, right, getting to yeah. know, getting comfortable. It's like, I'm just going to have someone objectively tell me if it's good or bad, and then I'll know, and then I can just also, live with it, that it, truth. It reveals like an anxiety. I think, I think you need to be an anxious person for all of a sudden you're going to kind of like point your anxiety towards your dick size. You're just going to have like a month-long period where you're going to be like, oh, God, I'm really worried about my dick. I mean, this was the one that I think like most captures for me a lot of what's going on in these articles about like modern masculinity is having no fucking idea what how you're supposed to act. Because every old dude you know is telling you to be a massive piece of shit. Right, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't yeah, want to do that. Right. And there's just plenty of guys who don't have any interest in being like some dominant asshole. Like it's just not something they want to do in the beginning. Right. But you're like, all right, I know I don't want to do that. But what the fuck do I do? I know. Right. Yeah. And you're like, well, I don't know. I know that I get judged a lot on this. Women make fun of this shit all the time. And every medium I see, this is a thing people talk about. So like maybe that's a thing I should I'm be worried about. I'm tying my like the concept of masculinity and power to it for some reason. Right. Which uh, that, that's the to. only way I know how to be within society. So it really, I fuck. I guess this is really important now. Yeah. So you, what you end up with is like, I don't know how to act. All I know is there are all these points of possible insecurity or pitfalls. If all I want is like a decent life and a decent relationship, I can see all these pitfalls that'll hit me, right, and, right. and cause me to either get made fun of or lose out on those things. Yeah. And I'm just trying to figure out how the fuck it's to funny, navigate I mean, them. People talk about it. Like, that being said, I do often. I think a lot. I speak for a lot of guys where I don't know if we have the right like role models even to know oh, like no. Keanu Reeves. I, I, that's not like a bad Keanu Reeves is a good one. That's not a bad place to start, but I, um, I don't know. I do wish I had more role models. I guess that's my long and short way of saying that I wish I had better. Uh, better yeah, absolutely. Models. Cause I mean, basically every, almost every rich and famous man, it falls into some level of the old school version of masculinity. Right. Cause, cause they think, 
by having made it now it's very easy to project confidence which is supposed to be a thing you do as a man right yeah. it's very easy to assume that like you have sexual prowess because pretty much everybody's gonna lie to you because you're rich and powerful yeah, yeah, right sure. yeah. right and, and so with older men they think like that means i can do literally whatever i want which is right. why the vast majority of them are monsters i have no problem brushing with it yeah doing a broad swath for that one but like for everyone else you're just left with like well then what the fuck like crying cool not crying is right. that is that okay if i'm into ballet is that cool or am i gonna get made fun of right ballet and, very cool five years ballet that, like that's if, always my secret <laughs> trivia thing that i use in you know five years do i have a normal dick is that okay is that am I, am I gonna lose out on a relationship if i don't have a normal dick the good I, thing yeah, about doing screwed? ballet is the leotard makes clear to everyone if you have a normal dick so i don't have to pay the 25 dollars <laughs> avoided that <laughs> but you just start running into the like all right well then how the fuck like the day-to-day -day stuff of like well everyone just told me constantly like i'm not allowed to do x y and z to be a man and you're like all right well if that's not true is the opposite true is there some other thing that i'm unaware of in the like the universe possibilities that i can do yeah right and and, and so you see people constantly try to redefine it but it's always with the basis of like not that then go to something else. Yeah, yeah. It's also where the right wing people make all their money. It's how Mike Cernovich fucking gets big right. is by saying like, you don't know where it is. I'm telling you, it's actually a, a hyper version of the old one. Right. You, we're gonna take that and we're gonna fucking jack it up on some gorilla steroid bullshit, and that's <laughs> that's what masculinity is. Yeah. And it's like, well, obviously that's fucking dumb. Yeah. The way the way to be a true man is actually to act like a different species. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> be even that's more insane. galaxy brain conservative yeah. mindset. <laughs> But you do run into the thing where you go like, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. But then you still, if you say, especially if you're a straight man, you go like, all right, well, every woman is clearly signaling that if I'm not doing pretty well, mm. probably not going to get as many dating opportunities. Right. Like just full stop. And with modern dating and swiping, it's so fucking easy to experiment that one out and go like do an A-B test. Like I have a job. I don't have a job and see how many swipes you get and go right. like, all right. So yeah, there's a fundamental... Like, I need to be in a stable, semi-successful yeah. position in an era of society in which fucking no one is. And you, you're you like, need to have some value. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like which, by the that's way, terrifying. One, one of the, the social factors that only serves to increase through the fucking mediation of capital there are alienation from each other. Because now even the most human fucking thing possible, reproduction, which right, is what yeah. everything inside your body is screaming at you to do every single day by design, Selfish gene, Richard Dawkins, one good idea, basically, <laughs> right? Even that is now impossible because there's very certain social markers you need for it to be viable, at least on online dating. Right? Yeah, but so you're, it's this constant like, I, if I can't hit those, then what the fuck am I doing? And do I have to hit those to even be considered valuable in the first place? And so you're just left in a constant like anxiety ridden, where the fuck am I going? What am I doing? What right. do I have that's vaguely good, or maybe I have a problem that I haven't even noticed yeah. yet, and that's why I people don't. I don't think don't. this is like gender specific either. I think. Oh, it's yeah. oh worse for women. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Way worse for women. Oh, that part for yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, but as men, you go like, all right, well, what do I do? Well, I'm gonna have somebody. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna pay somebody to converse with me and help me live a fantasy, right. and you know, to, it'll, I'll pretend it's a picture of this hawker. I'll, I'll I'll talk to somebody and they'll solve this insecurity for me, right? right? Or, or like I can I just enjoy a thing that's designed for pregnant women? Am I allowed to do that? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, I was telling Brett, like, this is some real Florida hours right here. <laughs> I was telling Brett, like, I love crawdads. Like they're they taste great. You know, you rip them apart, suck the juices and the eyeballs out of their head. Yeah. Lick the seasoning, and then you just mm -hmm. sort of 
eat the tail. It's a little bit at a time, but you know, it keeps you busy. When I was a kid though, I had a pet crawdad. So every single time it it reminds me. So so what happened is like, it was like one of my first pets. And like, I think we got, I think we literally got some like shitty $21 plastic aquarium uh, from like a church bingo night. And, and so my dad, who didn't really give a shit about that, was like, oh, fuck. Okay, well, you want goldfish or something? Let's go to the pet store. And so we went to the aquarium store, and we'd get like an, an what do they call them, uh, an angelfish. We got... There's like a beta. Yeah, like like one of the ones that don't fight, but basically look like betas. And then we got like a uh, algae eater, and one of those like bottom feeder things, and then a crawdad, and sort of put them in the aquarium. And he's like, look, it's now we don't have to go to the Everglades, so don't ask me on Saturday. <laughs> and, we, you know, went back to the den and I thought it was a pretty cool pet. And I named them all. And then I went to bed on the first night. And let's just say that uh, not all of the fish returned that first morning. <laughs> there was just a murky haze in there. And I was like, what happened? And my dad, uh, old Milwaukee in hand, went. Uh, I guess we know why they call them angelfish. Because <laughs> we knew which one was missing. Fuck. Right? And so it's like, well, that's, I mean, that's upsetting, but this is the one aquarium we have, and let's just put this past us. You know, I don't know <laughs> if maybe the beta attacked it or whatever. It wasn't the beta, because night two, the beta is now gone. <laughs> <laughs> There's but, a serial killer amongst the, us. The, it's my favorite Agatha Christie novel. It, there is now. <laughs> There is now an extremely murky aquarium because no one's cleaning this. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a murder on the Aquarium Express. An algae eater <laughs> and one crawdad, which my dad has now named King. <laughs> this is 100% true. Okay. So we're like, well, I'm going, won't he eat? He's like, nah, the algae eater. Look, they eat the algae. They climb up the sides. Crawdad's on, on the bottom, right? Okay, sure. you know what? So we go to bed. You know exactly what's happened here, right? <laughs> yeah. Now that there's all this space in the tank for the crawdad, we see that he can kind of propel himself. I'm assuming the gender because of its violence. It might be a she. <laughs> I don't know. It could be a queen crawdad. But we see that he can propel himself through the air by like jutting backwards with his tail. So that's sure. a real problem for fish. So now I just have a tank with one crawdad in it. And this is very disappointing <laughs> to bas- basically everyone. <laughs> now I love I love this crawdad. This is like my first pet. So like I I do want to see him happy and I'm sad that we fucked up and put him in this position. So I'm not going to make that mistake, but I don't want him to be lonely. So I pitched to my dad an idea that he immediately agrees with, which is why don't we get King Crawdad friends? So we go back and we buy five more crawdads and we put them in the tank. <laughs> Now they we won't created be, a battle royale situation. We won't be lonely anymore. Okay. <laughs> now they'll have friends. After the first night, there are five husks of crawdads <laughs> on the bottom, and King Crawdad using his eight tiny little arms is just feasting perpetually. <laughs> <laughs> so now this is clearly no one can deny what's going on my dad started buying like we got a first of all we got a bigger tank and then we got we started buying these like shark fish like freshwater sharks we started buying poisonous fish and it just became a battle 
Royale where <laughs> we'd feed things into the thresher and the crawdad would climb up, <laughs> grab it, and use oh its little legs God. to peel its carcass apart. <laughs> it it really God. looked like the elephant graveyard at the bottom of the ocean <laughs> in that aquarium. And it continued that way with King Crawdad going undefeated until his natural death. And then my dad ate him. So that's the circle of <laughs> life in Florida. <laughs> Not Holy one part shit. of that was false. <laughs> 